Today on Ag News Daily. The actual historical volatility of the soybean market has been very low, but the implied volatility of soybean uh, options contracts, of puts and calls, has been growing larger. Happy Market Monday and Cyber Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. My name is Delaney Howell, one of the hosts, joined as always by my co-host, Mike Pearson. Mike, are you doing any Cyber Monday shopping today? You know, I am absolutely not doing any Cyber <laughs> Monday shopping. I uh, I kind of forgot that's the day that it was. I don't know if there's anything I need. Well, I just figured like for Christmas presents and whatnot, you would prefer to do Cyber Monday shopping because I know how much you just love being around lots of people. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of crowds, but I'll tell you what, Delaney, it's not time to Christmas shop yet. Why not? I mean, we've still got... It's a month. It's less than a month away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've still got almost a whole month to do Christmas shopping. Do you need some Christmas ideas for me, Mike? No, no. <laughs> Christmas Christmas gifts, like birthday gifts, they come, the ideas come like a bolt of lightning. They oh. just hit. It's like, oh, that is so <laughs> genius. And then I go and buy it. Okay. I wish that I had that idea. Well, you know, if you procrastinate long enough, a lot of times you'll get that uh, – <laughs> that ray of lightning and it'll hit yeah. a lot of times while you're at Walmart or at a Walgreens and you'll see something that go, yes, that is exactly what X so person so, Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I've got a cyber Monday fact for you. This is the day that is expected to be the largest online shopping day in history. And it's going to generate approximately $7.8 billion in sales. Wow. Wow. I know. I did participate in Black Friday shopping today, so I am uh, adding into that pool of money. Well, good for you. Good yeah. for you. And actually, Delaney, that's a pretty neat segue because I've got some cyber news for us. Okay. Let's hear it. Well, it's crypto news, actually. Uh, okay. Bitcoin. A oh, no. Not this again. What are we having with we it? talked about quite a bit this last year as it raced up towards $20,000 per coin, plunged more than 12% today. Mm. This is the latest in really an ongoing kind of a uh, multiple week long sell off. Basically, it seems as though people are just turning against digital currencies. Apparently, usage of of Bitcoin or the other crypto assets, people just aren't using it. Usage is falling. People aren't using them to buy stuff like in stores, which is a good place to use currency. And that's part of the reason people are just saying, hey, maybe this is a fad. Hmm. Yeah. yeah so if, I don't know. if you had tied up all of your assets last December in Bitcoin, you are now poor. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Just just an update because I know we did talk about that with our good friend Snarkosaurus back when everything yes. was hot. Now it is not so not hot. hot. But could be a good buying opportunity if you're a believer. Are you a believer, Mike? I, you know, I don't own any cryptocurrencies. I kind of missed the run up, but I do think they're an intriguing concept. I'm very interested to see where they go in the next 10 years. And I, I certainly hope they are successful. It's nice to see yeah. some competition in the currency supply. Yeah, that is true. I know. What <laughs> other news do you have for us today, Delaney? Um, I just wanted to give a quick update. I know a lot of farmers are... Still maybe hesitant about the margin facilitation program or that farmer bailout package, as we've called it. 
Update so far, I think nearly $31 million in bailout payments have hit mailboxes of Iowa farmers in particular. And overall, payments to any farmer has averaged about $7,200. But I thought this was interesting. This was an article in the Des Moines Register, so it's a little more specific to Iowa farmers. But they said about 100 farmers of the nearly 4,300 payments to Iowa farmers were less than $25. Ew. I know. I don't even know what the point of doing it would be if it's that little, you know? Hey, if you're too proud to accept $25, then, you know, I don't want to be friends with you. That's money. Well, no, I'm not saying that I'm too proud to accept $25, but to go into the FSA office, fill out the paperwork, do whatever hoops you got to jump through for that. Well, it doesn't sound like there are too many hoops, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Get get the money, folks. My time get is worth money. more than that, I think. $25 is my point. Okay. All right. Well, you are uh, you are certainly confident in your value, Delaney. Oh, There's thanks. a story that I heard. A uh, good friend of mine was helping his father-in-law, 90-some-year-old, uh, long, long, long-time farmer, and they were uh, putting shingles up on, I don't know, an old chicken coop or a hog house or something. They were re-roofing it. And the son-in-law said, hey – Listen, Pops, we've been up here for four days. We don't really know what we're doing. The amount of money that we've wasted in four days doing this, we could have paid somebody and had it done. (laughs) And the old farmer said, well, you're making a a big mistake right there. You're assuming your time is worth something. And Mm. Delaney, that sounds like that's what you're doing. Yeah, I am. Absolutely. I am. Absolutely. You have to. I agree. I agree. It's a good thing to do. Well, hmm. Okay. Get in there, do the paperwork, heck. Hopefully you're you'll get more than twenty five bucks back. Hopefully, yeah. Speaking of getting things back, we are on the verge of signing a two way trade deal with Argentina for fresh beef. This will be the first time in two decades we will be uh really fairly open with Argentina and they are expecting this to happen in the next couple days. Uh, mm. according to a source Within the uh, U.S. Trade Representative's office, all of the technical and administrative questions have been settled, and this could be interesting. The good news is for U.S. cattle producers, we have a limit on how much Argentinian beef we can accept. We've got a 20,000 metric ton limit, and there is no limit on what U.S. beef Argentina can accept. So, The thought is this is going to be generally favorable to U.S. beef, but given the very, very cheap Argentine peso, it's hard to believe that we're actually going to be selling U.S. beef into Argentina Mm -hmm. anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, apparently we stopped importing beef from Argentina 17 years ago. Because why? Was there a reason for it? Uh, yeah, uh, foot and mouth disease. Oh. We had uh, we were worried that Argentinian beef would would come up to our shores with foot mo- foot and mm-hmm. mouth, and that would be catastrophic to the U.S. beef herd. Well, it absolutely would. Yeah. So we're opening the gate here to talking about trade. Actually, that does make sense that it's happening because the G20 summit is going on this week, this weekend in Argentina, Buenos Aires, Argentina, and we've got a few. Big meetings on the books for the G20 summit, not only for the U.S., but for other countries as well. One Such the, as the lane. Yes, of course. 
The first one is between President Trump and President Xi. They're going to be sitting down. I don't know what day for sure. I'm thinking maybe Saturday is what I read, but don't quote me on that one. Um, we okay. definitely saw the soybean markets reacting to that news still today. So that's definitely something to watch if you still have beans that you need to sell or if you've got some in the, in the bins or whatever. I would definitely continue to watch that throughout the rest of the week. We're going to talk to Elaine Cub about that here in just a little while. The other one that I don't think is getting as much attention but definitely needs to be brought to the limelight here is a meeting going on between Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and outgoing Mexican President Enrique Nieto. Uh, they're going to sign the North American Trade Pact on Friday. And lastly, there I can't remember. Where did I see this? I think it was Argentina and China or Argentina and Canada are also having a high level trade talk during the G20 summit. Yeah, this is one of those huge international meetings where lots of deals get done. And uh, hopefully the U.S. trade rep will be down there and will be negotiating some things that can get this market to turn around a little bit, at least Get some of the bearishness out, but Delaney, as you mentioned, we will chat with Elaine Cub and, uh, yeah, get her thoughts on how things look going forward. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that is going up is the amount of acres for sale. Farmers National Company has listed for sale uh, 21% more properties for, for sale this year than last year at this time. So it does sound like a lot of... Uh, their quote was, ownership groups and individuals who perhaps inherited ground that thought they missed the big bubble, they're seeing farmland values stay relatively strong, and they're going, okay, now might be the time to cash out, and they're putting those farms on the uh, the auction block. Mm. So, so Delaney, are you some... looking to uh, get any farms bought here this well, uh, tail end of 2018? You know, I would love to buy some if any uh, financer out there wants to loan me a bajillion dollars to do that. Yeah, I'm in that same boat. Any uh, lenders with very, very lax underwriting <laughs> standards, reach out to us. Find us on Facebook and Twitter <laughs> at Ag News Daily and, uh, and let us know. We would love to take your money. Yeah, and um, they can't expect, you know, like uh, high payback rates for me because that's probably not going to fly. Right. Yeah, we need really low interest rates. <laughs> Very, very really poor small standards. payments. Yep. Yes, very small payments. We are, we're just so poor. We just need <laughs> all the help we can get. We're just poor podcasters. That's right, just poor <laughs> podcasters. Well, the lady, what other news do you have for us today? Well, uh, so we know that there were quite a few members of the Foreign Agricultural Service went to South Korea. I think it was two or three weeks now. The U.S. Grains Council we had a few U.S. Greens Council members who also accompanied the FAS office on that trip, and they had a very specific goal. They wanted to convince Koreans that they need to start blending ethanol into gasoline, according to their regional director for strategy and ethanol in North Asia, Tim Tierney. He said, the Korean government has been studying the use of E3 regarding engine performance and fuel quality testing for several years, and the most recent evaluation is expected to be completed in 2019. Our challenge is to bring awareness of benefits that the 
ethanol has over the current standard. And so it looks like they're really trying to develop a new market there as well. I thought that was pretty interesting. South Korea wouldn't have been one I would guess that would use a lot of ethanol, but I mean, they've got a large population, so they might as well convert too. Absolutely. And, you know, E3 is such a low ethanol content mm -hmm. that if they have good experiences, there's plenty of room to move up closer to that E5, True. E10, or, yeah. you know, perhaps even an E15 level as the years go on, which could be very good news. And could find some new demand for, uh, for our corn markets. Right. And more importantly, I think find new demand for our ethanol markets, which yeah. lets us add the value right here in this True. country and ship a value added product over there. That would be that would be phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of value added in a sense, Delaney, there's a lot of stuff you can do with plants. You know, you can eat them. You can look at them. Have you them can as a also, pet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Chia <laughs> pets and so forth. Uh -huh, yeah, yeah. You can also, according to the company Beyond Meat, turn them into an adequate beef substitute. Now, I have my doubts about that particular claim. But Beyond Meat is so confident they are going to file for an initial public offering. They're going to take mm -hmm. that company public, and they expect it to happen here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, they've hired investment bankers, and they're hoping to raise about $100 million when they go public. I think that we should um, reach out to them, or I don't know how we would do this, but I think they need to bring in ag reporters like us or, you know, maybe some bigger people or whatever, and just like have us test it and share with our ag listeners what we really truly think about these products. Because, you know, you and I are not going to beat around the bush. We're going to be honest if it's good. We're going to tell people it's good. If it tastes like crap, we're going to say I that. I won't. Yes, you will. No, regardless, good or bad, I'm going to say it's terrible. Okay, eat well, beef, I will America. tell the truth. Eat I will tell the beef, truth. Eat chicken. Now, here was a, here was a thing that, that absolutely surprised me. Uh, they're beyond meat. Uh, their big main item is their quote on, I don't even know what to call it. Their fake hamburger product. It's made of plants mm -hmm. and it is sold in the supermarket meat section. It's not sold along with Weird. other frozen foods and other plant based things. They say it's so close to actual hamburger that they have been able to successfully get it sold in meat counters right alongside mm -hmm. real hamburger. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. So, listen, shoppers, be careful about what you're picking up in the meat counter. You might be buying plants disguised as beef. And what you want to be doing is you want to be buying those plants after they've been processed by a wholesome, delicious <laughs> animal. Okay. Well, moving on from that, before you go off on your little rampage about meatless meats, I have an update here on African swine fever. We now have 73 cases confirmed across 20 provinces with around 600,000 pigs culled. Of course, this is according to Chinese data, so we don't know really how much they are truly releasing. Dang, but China, 600,000? Yeah, but... I wow. think their total herd size is like 4.3 billion. So, oh yeah, I mean they've got a you know, pile of hogs. Yeah. Um they also announced that they're going to start adjusting their rules to control the spread of the African swine fever to keep pork supplies stable, but they also had their first reported case of the disease discovered in the capital. So, 
that's definitely probably something that uh, they're getting a little nervous about. Um, well, I thought I can't imagine they're raising many hogs in Beijing. Well, you know, I don't know, maybe on the outskirts. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I guess I don't know. Listeners, if you're familiar with chi- the Chinese hog industry, let us know. Is is are there a lot of hogs in Beijing? Mm-hmm. I thought this was interesting. So the article I read this on was on Reuters. And the article also says that a Reuters journalist was stopped at the checkpoint and barred from reaching one of the affected farms, I guess, as a way to stop the spread or stop the disease from spreading. But it's like, well, obviously, the journalist would know to throw away those shoes or clothes or whatever. Yeah, that sounds more like a way to stop news of the disease's impact from getting out. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see, Delaney. I am out of news. Should we see if, uh, well, other than soybeans, which we know move today, should we see what else is going on in the world of the futures markets? Let's do it, Mike. All right, and folks, our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, it is never too late to put a marketing plan together if you are sitting on unsold 2018 crop or if you want to get a jump on your 2019 crop year, give our friends at Zaner a call. You can reach them at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at zaner.com. And we've got red on some of the markets here in the grain sector today. Starting with corn, the December contract down three cents on the day at 3.56 even. The March down two and a half to close at 3.68 even. And soybeans were the ugly duckling of today's markets. The January contract closed lower 18 and three quarter cents at 8.62 and a quarter. The March down 18 and a half to finish at 8.76 and a quarter. Wheat was the lone bright spot in Chicago. The December contract was up seven and three quarter cents to finish at 507 and a half. Elaine will talk about that here in just a second. The March was up six and three quarters to close at 514 even. Looking over to the world of livestock and live cattle, we've got some weakness today. The December contract down 17 and a half cents at 116.92.50. The February down 27 and a half to close at 120.65. Mixed trade in feeder cattle with the January contract down 22 and a half at 149.15. The March up 22 and a half cents to close at 146.15. And weakness in lean hogs. Apparently that news of the African swine fever didn't do us a lot of favors today. The December contract down a dollar sixty. 57.50 at 57.40. The February down 227 and a half to close the day at 65.55. And of course, we can't forget about our friends in the dairy industry. Looking at class three milk, the November contract was unchanged on the day at 14.48. Only a few days left in the life of that contract. December, however, was down 22 cents, closed at 14.10 on the day. Before we get to our conversation with Elaine Cub, let's get a word from our hashtag Market Monday sponsor. Hashtag Market Monday brought to us by our friends at Barber Cattle. Are you looking to buy or sell quality cattle? Make Barber Cattle your first call. Laura Barber of Barber Cattle and Sons of Kentucky can connect you with high-quality cattle, and they work nationwide. Call Laura at 859-229-7691. That number again, 859-229-7691. Get the best cattle with Barber. Well, folks, it is Hashtag Market Monday on the Ag News Daily Podcast, and we are joined by Elaine Cub. Elaine, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Absolutely. Hashtag Cyber Monday. That's, That's right. right. Yes, indeed. And Elaine, before we get into people buying all sorts of cheap stuff from China off the <laughs> Internet, why don't we talk a little bit about why the soybean market, or I guess who 
peed in the soybean market's Wheaties this morning. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of been a long time coming. I suspect that uh, this 20 cent drop here on Monday is because this is the week. We are now in the week when theoretically the presidents of the United States and China will hopefully, you know, get together at the G20 summit in Argentina. Mm -hmm. And the thought has been all month that, you know, maybe they would hash out some idea of maybe somewhere down the line, maybe kind of potentially renegotiating the trade scenario and renegotiating that 25% tariff that China has put on U.S. soybeans. So this is all very old news, but the soybean market had been holding just perfectly steady all through November, never moving more than 20 cents away from the 880 level. And now it seems like this week uh, we're really in the thick of the, the rumor mill of whether or not that renegotiation might actually happen. And on Monday, things didn't seem very optimistic, especially because China is simultaneously negotiating with Argentina to be importing soybean meal. So China is signaling that they are absolutely willing to keep looking outside of the United States and working around this problem. So, Elaine, where do we head from here for the rest of the week? I think the G20 summit starts like Thursday or Friday of this week. Are we going to continue to see soybeans crap the bed, so to speak, the rest of the week until the meeting? Or what do you think we're going to see? Well, I mean, it honestly could go either way. And this is the thing. Like I mentioned, all through November, the actual historical volatility of the soybean market has been very low. Mm -hmm. But the implied volatility of soybean uh, options contracts of puts and calls has been growing larger because of this expectation that there will be large movements. I saw um, ADM was saying something about plus 50 or minus 50 yeah. cents on Friday and others were suggesting much more than that. So I think it just depends on what the rumor is on any given day. So we could wake up tomorrow and, I don't know, Trump could tweet something that would make the market believe that there would be a friendlier scenario or vice versa. It, it really could go day by day and double digit moves either and every day. Now, Elaine, you are a fundamental analyst. You look at supply and demand. You study the actual shipments of grain coming and going from different ports of call. And we are currently seeing our exports of soybeans to China down 98, 97 some percent. China's not going to, they literally can't buy fewer beans from the U.S. Why is this downside risk so apparent? Especially in the front month contracts. I can see it in 19 or 20 if we think this thing is mm -hmm. going to drag on. But why are we paying the penalty for it up front? Well, first of all, and I I myself have cited that 98% lower figure, but it, I mean, that's based on what it was a year ago, right? Or the, the monthly prospects, or the monthly numbers from a year ago. And China is buying some U.S. soybeans, like 67,000 metric tons. You know, it's just not enough. Right. It's not the real thing. I, I mean, I don't know. How do you want me to answer this question? <laughs> With your honestly, yeah, honestly. <laughs> well, the thought has always been that the physical market would find workarounds, right? That the U.S. would continue exporting more soybeans to Argentina, for instance. And again, that's that's part of what we're seeing today. If Argentina is negotiating with China to export the value-added, already processed soybean meal that is potentially made from soybeans that they bought from the United States, that's a really weird and inefficient way 
for physical soybeans to move from the producers here in the United States to the end users, which are hogs in China? Well, okay, let me counter up and throw another little monkey wrench in this and ask you what your thoughts are, Elaine, when we look at the fast pace soybean production going on in South America. If let's say these are all hypotheticals because we could have a weather event or something else could occur. But when you look at where Brazil and Argentina are sitting right now for soybean planting, they're way ahead of pace, which would obviously follow up with a faster harvest time. And usually this is like the key season when we get to export soybeans to China. If we do see Brazil and Argentina coming online end of December, early January, when those are like key seasons here for the U.S., is it possible that the Chinese could even further? I mean, how much further, I guess, is the question. Could they reduce shipments of U.S. soybeans? Yeah, that's a great question, Delaney, and I don't have a number because really the game there is how much can they change their uh, feed rations for their livestock industry? Can they go to alternative products and limp along here through the next few months, like you mentioned, into January? That's that's kind of the magic time frame. And you're absolutely right that South America continues to receive favorable weather and no expectations for anything different. So yes, the, the farmers in Brazil, when you look at their cash soybean prices compared to their cash corn bids, it's like three to one, that price ratio, compared to like a 2.3 to one price ratio for 2019 U.S. soybean to corn price comparisons. Anyway, yeah, the the game here is for South America to plant as many soybeans as they can. They're getting the good weather and get those soybeans to China and China to limp along into January. All right. Well, that's that's I think as much as we can sum up the China trade soybean shenanigans that are going on in the markets today. I want to take us (laughs) over to the what is it? Western part of Asia, I suppose, and talk about Russia and the Ukraine yeah. and this mm-hmm. perhaps battle that is brewing sent wheat prices, you know, higher today. Um, what are your thoughts there? Is this going to help us continue to sell more wheat into the uh, particularly that Egyptian market? Yeah. So Egypt had a tender this week. Iraq is expected to have a tender this week. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Here's the thing. Um, if the increasing tensions between Russia and Ukraine are the start of World War Three, then that's bad for commodities. That's bad for global, you know, demand for raw materials. But well, World War One, we saw phenomenal yeah. demand for commodities as well I as guess. World War Two, Elaine. Yeah, but then we went into a depression, Mike. Yeah. Let's, let's keep well, it real here. Let's, let's yeah. I mean, it's not, that, it's not that long term. Yeah, world. Let's let's agree that World War Three would be undesirable. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 We'll stipulate that. So stipulated. Okay. In that case, I think what's really happening here is you've just got that tension in the in the ocean shipping over there means that the cost to insure an ocean vessel loaded with Ukrainian wheat or any sort of Black Sea origin wheat, those shipping costs and the insurance on those shipping costs goes up a little bit or a lot of it, whatever. It makes it competitive wise, it makes it possible for European and U.S. and Canadian wheat prices to bump up a little bit to remain in competition with that Black Sea region. And I think that's all we're really seeing here today, that Kansas City wheat price is up three cents. Uh, The the Paris milling wheat 
is up, you know, 0.25 euros. So that's that's equivalent, I suspect, to what that increase in shipping costs might be. Ah, gotcha. I guess I want to follow up with that and talk about Chicago wheat here for a second. We put on like seven-ish cents today. We've seen really, I mean, since the beginning of August, we've traded down and then we've kind of been stuck in this sideways trading range. Elaine, what's it going to take for us to break out of this? Yes, I I purposefully ignored that seven cent gain in the in the Chicago December because the open interest in that December contract has has dwindled. You know, it's it's very small anymore. It's like a quarter of what okay. it was a month ago, and so I think it's deceptive. Anytime that we see big movements in that front month or in that December Chicago contract here for the next couple of weeks, it's maybe not ignorable, but it will be deceptive because as you mentioned, the speculative traders have been active here and they've, they are still net short and they're going to need to continue to get out of short positions before December goes into delivery. So I think that's part of what's happening there. And you gotcha. also see it in that nearby uh, December to March futures spread looks really bullish because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's gone really tight. And I think that's why it's just some of that short covering and repositioning of that bearish speculative market. All right. Well, Elaine, let's talk about the corn market here. We're uh, we're wrapping up harvest. Some growers from Kansas through northern Missouri, southern Iowa, Illinois, and so forth, you know, aren't going to be able to get their corn out after the six to 12 inches of snow fell on them. Mm-hmm. We're down three cents in the December. Like you say, we're down two and a half in the March and down three cents in Dece 19 today. Um, well, what's going on? I, I guess my question is, again, similar to the wheat market, it seems as though we've got magnets here in these price levels. When could we expect to see a breakout? What factors are you watching to see us break one way or the other in this corn market? I think one of the things that has been weighing on corn lately is the is the downward trend in crude oil prices, which has been extreme. And the downward trend in corn prices is nowhere near that extreme. But if you did see uh, that sell-off in crude ever stop or start to recover, I think the timing of that might allow corn to, you know, resume its usual, you know, path sideways or upwards toward the end of the year. Uh, but whether or not we'd ever get any sort of bullish reaction to all those poor cornfields that are still stuck in the snow, I don't know. We're not seeing it in a local basis manner. There are some areas where, yeah, all the corn got harvested and everything's fine, and there's certain areas where there's kind of a significant portion of cornfields that are still standing unharvested. And, and you'd think if the, if the industry was, was screaming for corn or felt a shortage of corn, you would see that in those local basis bids. But as it is, obviously, the industry is, first of all, crowded with soybeans that it doesn't want to store at this time of year. And it has sufficient cash corn to store also. So nobody really seems too worried about the corn being, you know, stored on the stock out in the field. I mean, individual farmers, obviously, this is horrible. This is no fun. But it has happened in the past that corn sits all winter and gets harvested in the spring. And, you know, it can be done. And maybe maybe that's the storage strategy this, this winter. Hmm. Okay, so I want to shake it up here a little bit because today is Cyber Monday. It's also Market Monday here on the podcast. So I want to talk just for a second, Elaine, get your thoughts on the overall economy and I mean, we see strength in the economy. We see that from the Fed's raising interest rates. We see, 
you know, relatively strong index numbers, just showing overall strength in the economy. But then when you look at commodities, not so strong. When are we going to see some of those dollars trickling back into the commodities? Yeah, I, that's, that's a $64 billion question. <laughs> well, and, and not just when, but maybe if, like, oh, when you, when you yeah. see crude oil collapsing, it's collapsed right. 33% since the beginning of October. And some of that, obviously most of that is, is a supply story. But, I mean, people are sincerely worried that it might also be a sign of global demand slowing, that, mm. you know, and many economists are expecting to see a recession sometime in the next couple of years. So if that happened sooner than expected, you know, maybe we're not going to see any any big um, spillover of investor demand for commodity futures or or a big rise in commodity prices because, you know, crude oil is well supplied. Grains are well supplied globally. You know, we just we don't have any big shortages to, to drive that kind of bullishness. Come on, Elaine. I was expecting something no. optimistic from you. I'm sorry. Well, this is the worst conversation we've had, <laughs> no. I think. So, Elaine, let's let's try to find something optimistic. Oh, if you boy. were looking at the market as a whole, we're talking equities, we're talking bonds, we're talking commodities, we're talking everything. What is the hot spot? Where can folks look for a ray of bright light outside hmm. the general the general, you know, strengthening economy, you know, lower unemployment, blah, 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 from an investor's perspective. <laughs> uh, what is can sexy? Cannabis stocks. Oh. <laughs> oh. Actually, hey, that's, yeah. That's, actually, that's agriculture. This is relevant. Yeah. Actually, yeah. you know, that that is one area of growth. And I, I'm not a, an equities analyst and nobody should be taking, like, trading advice from me for stocks. But just from an agriculture perspective, everybody who wants to – consume corn or consume high fructose corn syrup in the form of soda pop or coffee or beer or whatever, that's all been, that's, those are all pretty mature markets that are pretty well played out. But the global growth of countries like Canada, of the populations being able to legally buy this agricultural product, the growth of that is yet untested. So that's one area where you could actually see demand growth driving an investment opportunity in my humble opinion, but that's probably not the answer you were expecting. Do you think, is it going to be a fad like we saw with Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, or do you think it's going to be something that's long-term growth? Yeah, I don't know what the actual growth projections are, but it's a physical product that people physically consume. You know, it's a, yeah. it's, a, it's, a it's an agricultural food product, effectively. Yeah, it's a consumable, that's for sure. And Delaney, I mean, you look at Gosh, the popularity of Cheech and Chong in the 70s. <laughs> oh, I mean, gosh. this is a market that's been around for a while that we're just now seeing brought into the light. Yeah, I suppose that's true. And 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 here I'm really out of my depth. I shouldn't just call it an agricultural food product. I think probably the real growth of it is from some of those medi medicinal uses. And I, I really don't know much about it. I don't really know too much about it. But I just, when you look, you asked for any sort of uh, a good investment opportunity of growth, that's maybe the one thing you could look at. All right. Well, Elaine Cub, way to end things on a high note with us today. <laughs> Good one. Well, we certainly appreciate your insight. That is for sure, Elaine. And where can folks find you if they have more questions or want to interact with you? 
Well, they could go to www.masteringthegrainmarkets.com. And of course, on Cyber Monday, I am encouraging folks who need a gift <laughs> for farmers or investors, they can go to Amazon and buy a book called Mastering the Grain Markets. All right, Elaine Cub, selfless plug there. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Well, lots to chew on there, Delaney. Nice work with the pun. Thanks. I thought you'd be proud of that one. I love puns. They are, I think, the highest form of art. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Well, let's see. We've got good conversations coming up the rest of the week. We've had great conversations in the past, and I know it has been kind of difficult for our regular listeners to stay caught up due to all of the shifting and the changing that is happening with our website. So if you have missed past episodes of the podcast, be sure to check them out at our new home, the Global Ag Network. Go to globalagnetwork.com. You can find Ag News Daily right there alongside other fantastic podcasts brought to you by people who are passionate about this industry. Delaney, what do you say? Should we let the people go? Let's let them go.